0: Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Be Bougie, Be True, Be You. I'm Charlotte Jones. I hope you've had a good week or so. The weather is really strange here in the UK for May, isn't it? But there is one positive, because obviously we're all wanting it to be warmer. I mean, it's very lovely, like there's blue skies today, but for May it's just not that warm. And at night it still feels really cold in my house, but... I love my double duvet so I've got one of these duvets where you do the poppers around the edge and you split it in half for the summer so you've got your lighter one but don't get me wrong I get why we need that but at night time I prefer snuggling up with so many layers and I do get really upset when it gets to that point in the year where you know you've got to take it off and have the lighter one because it's just too uncomfortable so I am saying I'm pro the cooler nights right now because I am loving the fact that I've had my winter duvet on for a good six months. It's one of my favourite things. <laughs> Moving on to this week's episode, I was joined by the lovely Shelley Wilson and Shelley has been a midwife for a very long time now and she runs her own business Baby Beginnings and this week we spoke around the very sensitive subject of miscarriages. We discussed a variety of things from the different emotions that both the mother and the partner go through when a miscarriage happens, what the family go through, how can we support the partner while the mother is not in a position to do so different reasons sometimes why miscarriages may happen it's basically just a very in-depth discussion around the area of miscarriages just to let anyone know if this is a sensitive subject or difficult subject for you let's start this week's episode You're listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You with Charlotte Jones, the podcast to chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Welcome Shelley Wilson. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Charlotte. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me because this is going to be a difficult episode to talk about. It's a very sensitive mm-hmm. subject, but yes. I know you have so much experience. You're a midwife, you're a lactation consultant, you do baby massage, you also work with baby reflux. And through all of your experience, you've actually created your own business, Baby Beginnings. Could you tell us a bit more about Baby Beginnings and what you do with it?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's basically a pregnancy, childbirth and newborn consulting, I suppose, service for women so if if you need me through your pregnancy i can do that for you know with my midwifery qualifications and experience i've been 20 years a midwife now or in childbirth, the same thing. I've done a lot of work in most of my career, actually. I've been in the labour room. And um, and then with the newborn, I'm a lactation consultant. I've been an uh, international board certified lactation consultant for 10 years now. I'm also a baby reflux practitioner, um, which is a really, it's quite increasing, actually, baby reflux. And it's through the baby reflux lady that who I trained with, we're kind of just trying to promote recognition of reflux really. Again, that's another one that just gets shoved under the carpet. Or I can do baby massage or baby yoga as well. I'm I'm qualified for that as well. So yeah, it's it's you can either go from right from kind of finding out you're pregnant all the way through till, you know, for about twelve weeks after the birth. That's a whole year basically. That's um, amazing. And so many yeah. things
0: I hadn't I didn't realise you could do uh baby yoga. I didn't know that was a thing. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's thing, amazing. Yeah. So what I want to talk about today is miscarriage because Uh this is something I personally haven't experienced however Mm -hmm. a few friends of mine and people I I sort of know friend of a friend are starting to experience this now and what a very common theme that I noticed is that they said obviously they know what a miscarriage is but once it happened to them they had no idea what would actually happen to them as as like, I guess, a process, as a form of grief. And yeah. I fully appreciate with all forms of grief, everyone's experience is individual to themselves. But yes. what kind of experience have you had with women who suffer miscarriage?
1: Well, when I was trained, because obviously I trained in the UK, um... And I worked in the UK for a short time. Then I kind of moved over to the Middle East. I was in the Middle East for 17 years. So when I was training and working in the UK, I I actually very rarely came across miscarriages. I'm not entirely sure how the system works now. But when I trained, miscarriages were were traditionally dealt with on the gynae ward gynaecological ward so the, the gynae nurses would treat them because a miscarriage is basically described as like the loss of a pregnancy before well it, it differs you know whichever text you read but it's around about 20 weeks of pregnancy and that was the point to which gynae would always come into it if you know what I mean and then you know any other kind of emergency stuff would for us would be after 20 weeks pregnant so very little in the UK. But of course, when I went out to Bahrain in the Middle East, I worked in a very small community hospital there. So we kind of had to, you know, you'd be in the antenatal clinic one day, you'd be on the labour ward another, you'd be, you know, doing postnatal stuff. So you you, you had to basically be a jack of all trades cause, because it was such a small hospital. So at that point, that's when I kind of dealt with them fairly regularly. It would either be through... Um, women ringing up the ward and just saying, this is happening, you know, I'm, I'm bleeding or I'm, I'm getting these cramps, what do I do? Or, you know, coming into the, well, I say it lightly, emergency department, it wasn't a really, but um, yeah, they, they would come in with bleeding or cramping, you know, or something like that. So yeah, when, when I worked out in Bahrain, I dealt with them fairly regularly.
0: What sort of reactions do you find are most common after a woman has suffered a miscarriage?
1: Oh, blimey, do you know what? <laughs> there is a huge range of reactions, as you can imagine. Um, you know, every woman is so different. Well, every individual is so different, aren't they, really? It's not just women. So you you can get, like, the whole spectrum. So the big one, I would say, is guilt. Right. So they feel that it's something that the reason they've miscarried is something they've done or even something they haven't done. It's guilt for something... That they have no control over whatsoever. So it's kind of misplaced guilt, but that's normally their primary reaction, to be honest. Sadness, obviously. Some of them can be quite shocked, you know, quite confused if they weren't expecting it. Because sometimes you get signs or you get a feeling, you know, sometimes you can get like little bits of spotting in the days coming up. And then, you know, so you, you that worry starts already. But when it just comes out the blue, there can be almost quite significant shock. Some women, I would say they go quite numb, you know, literally they just blank over, which again is almost like delayed shock. You can get anger sometimes and the anger is sometimes directed at us as staff not in a nasty way if you know what i mean they will always come after us and apologize if they've been a bit short or whatever but it's just you know how you are when you when you when you're in shock and when you're upset you you kind of target the first person you see don't you so it's almost like that kind of thing they're not really blaming us but they're just they're angry and they sometimes they can direct it at staff more often than not they're directing it at their partner if their partner is with them Sometimes they're just directing it at themselves, at fate, at life, you know, in at the world in general. They just get really angry with everything. You can get a lot of jealousy. So if they see other pregnant women or women with their little babies, you know, there's a lot of jealous feelings there. Oh my goodness, what else? Disbelief. Depression you can get afterwards. Loneliness as well. A lot of women say that afterwards, that they felt really lonely when they were going through it. They were almost expected to deal with it all themselves and they're like embarrassed and ashamed because this thing has happened to them and what did they do differently from you know that lady over there who 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 hasn't miscarried they they get that sort of feeling and you get a lot of withdrawal as well like withdrawal from life as in withdrawal from the family or um you know isolation from the outside world they just kind of go into their own shells they get stuck in their own heads with these kind of thoughts of failure you really 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 can get a whole rainbow of reactions. It's it's just very individual. Because even if, even though a miscarriage, you know, is, is a pregnancy ended very early, I think a lot of women, depending on their personal circumstances, and you know, what the circumstances are surrounding their pregnancies, a lot of women, the sense of bonding between them and their baby can be very strong very early on. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's a bit like birth, really, the actual birth, this whole the amount of emotions and feelings and hormones and everything that's going on there, it's yeah, it is quite used. I did actually read, not properly read, but I read the re- the results kind of thing of the, the Imperial College in London. They did some research on long-term symptoms of miscarriage and they kind of described a lot of it as like post-traumatic stress. Really? Yeah, that's it can be that bad. Again, like I say, it depends on the circumstances of the pregnancy. So if this is a, a couple or a woman who has been trying for six years for a baby and then gets pregnant. That's six years of hopes and dreams and physical, lots of, you know, physical kind of stress on their body and and hormones and, and on their emotions. And then they get pregnant, of course, and then massive elation, and then suddenly they lose it. And it's like, that sudden drop you know so if if it's a person like that then you know you can imagine how post traumatic stress would come along but then that's not deflecting from the women who fall pregnant by accident and kind of spend the first four weeks of their pregnancy thinking do i want it do i not want it what am i going to do making all these choices and then they decide they want to have it they make that decision but their grief is no less or no less important than somebody who's been trying for six years so you know you've you've got that side of it as well everybody it's a loss for everybody, regardless of the circumstances and everybody's grief has to be validated
0: of course and the one uh, i want i wouldn't say symptom that 's not the right word the one response because a lot of what you said there is very common with grief, but yes. guilt with something like a miscarriage how How can you help with that because obviously like you said they they, they can 't control it, but if the guilt is there that's one I, I'm not sure, how would you help support someone so that they get through that and realise that they, they shouldn't feel guilty?
1: You can't stop them feeling that guilt, that's for sure. I, I know my mother won't mind me saying this, by the way. Okay. <laughs> not that she'll listen to this, but I know she won't mind. But my mother had a few miscarriages, you know, when she was young. And I always remember her telling me, she'd speak about them quite openly because she went, then went on to have three children. I always remember hearing her saying, Um, I know what it was, it was raining, it started raining and I ran for the bus. That was her guilt that she thought because it started raining and she ran for the bus, that's what caused the miscarriage. Now, I can tell her now, even, even all these years later, as I can tell her now, mum, that that wouldn't have caused a miscarriage. (laughs) You know what I mean? People can run in pregnancy (laughs) for a bus. It's not, you know, in early pregnancy, especially, you know, it's not, you have to keep living your life. That's not what would have caused the pregnancy. And I think that a lot of people find that hard to get their heads around as well, that they always want a reason. It's very hard for women to um, deal with their grief and deal with their loss when there's nothing concrete to hold on to, if you know what I mean. Because very often, we don't know why they've miscarried. It's right. it's just the body, something maybe is wrong and the body's expelled the pregnancy. It's not because you ran for the bus. It's not because you had a sip of wine. It's not because you took drugs when you, when you were 15 or whatever. It's It's not normally reasons like that. Sometimes, or more often than not, we have no idea. There are rare occasions when people have recurrent miscarriages, you know, where they would start looking at, you know, your, your kind of body and what's going on there as to why you're having recurrent miscarriages. But most women, there's no reason. And I think that makes it very hard. And I think the best way, because you cannot, it doesn't matter what you say to them, they're not going to lose that guilt right. at all. They're going to stick, you know, you find they, it doesn't matter what you say, you know, you could say, look, it's not your fault. We don't know why these miscarriages happen sometimes. You know, obviously, you know, like I say, if it's happening a lot, you'd, you'd go for genetic testing or whatever and to see if it's something to do with that. But when it's a one-off, but it doesn't matter what you say, they will not let it drop. So I think the only way you can deal with that is to listen to them, you know, to give them that space to talk about and to say how they feel about what things, what you know, what has happened. I think that's all you can do is just it's that age-old support of listening and that's just let them vent let them ask questions let them let them have their feelings and respect their feelings and acknowledge their feelings.
0: Yeah so just don't in a sense don't try and say anything to make it better just be there literally just be there. Absolutely
1: because there's nothing really you can do as you can imagine it's like with any grief there's nothing you can do to make it better if somebody's loved one dies you can come out with all the cliches you can say whatever you like but it's not it's not going to make a difference if you know what I mean you know p- people just have to and I think it's healthy to grieve definitely, the, definitely. and to
0: get it out get it out in the open yeah. because where where you were talking before where you said that sometimes they internalize shame and withdraw
1: yeah is
0: that because maybe they're not expressing what they're really feeling and they're keeping it all inside
1: yeah absolutely and there is there is a stigma around miscarriage and with that stigma, I think, comes silence. There's so much silence around miscarriage. Nobody wants to mention, it's like the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to mention miscarriage, you know. So if somebody's pregnant and you know they're pregnant and they start getting a bit of tummy ache and, and then they say, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. You know, nobody wants to say, do you think I'm miscarrying? Or maybe you're having a miscarriage. You know, nobody actually wants to start that conversation. It is literally like the elephant in the room. And I think, you know how they always say a lot of people have this kind of thing about not announcing the pregnancy? Yes. It's that sort of thing. So don't get me wrong, it's a very personal and individual decision that, and there's no right or wrong, you know, everybody, it's totally individual choice. And I kind of get both sides of the argument. I understand that people don't want to celebrate prematurely because it gives them that feeling of tempting fate. If they say it out loud, then something's going to go wrong. A lot of people have that kind of feeling. But at the same time, I know that when women miscarry before 12 weeks, they really need that family support. They need society's kind of recognition of it, especially. And if nobody knew about the pregnancy, <laughs> the woman hides behind the miscarriage as well. So the woman feels that she has to keep the miscarriage a secret as well, because nobody actually knew she was pregnant. That's when it becomes. it can become very dangerous.
0: Yes, especially to mental health, carrying all of that weight without... And when you mentioned the 12 weeks, this, again, being somebody that has never been pregnant and never... I don't know too much about pregnancy. Yeah. I do know the rumour. I say rumour, isn't it? It's kind of a given. Everyone says, wait for the 12-week mark. Is there any importance or truth
1: in that or is this... No, not at all. I mean, if you tell everyone, it's not going to stop a miscarriage. And if you don't tell everyone it's not going to stop a miscarriage, you know what I mean? So the the reason they always say 12 weeks is because that's normally when you have your first scan. So that's the date you have your dating scan. It's normally a dating scan to find out your dates. Although nowadays, (laughs) most people have that a lot earlier. Right. But that was the traditional kind of time, 12 weeks, where they would find out, they would have their first scan so they would see it for the first time. And then they felt kind of, okay, we've seen it, it's got to 12 weeks. You know, and because miscarriage, if it is going to happen normally, I'm not saying it can't happen afterwards, but it's normally before the 12 week mark. So when people get to that 12 week mark, they haven't miscarried, they've seen the baby on the scan, then they feel comfortable to tell everyone. The problem with this is that then if they do miscarry before that, which, you know, that's the prime time to miscarriage is before 12 weeks, they almost have to announce the death of the baby before announcing the actual baby, if you understand.
0: Yeah, that's very So true. it's
1: kind of... A, and that's very difficult for people to do. And that's why very often they don't even bother. They just keep it quiet. I don't know whether a lot of the time it's shame. I don't think it's shame. Or, or, but it might be because if they think it's their fault, you think people will be saying, oh, well, you know why? She was playing badminton last week or whatever. You know, or she went on a boat. You know, there's all sorts of daft old wives tales, you know, that come out. But I just think it's very... I would never tell a woman not to tell everyone or to tell everyone, like I say, because I've already said it's a very individual choice and that's totally, you know, their decision. But if you think about the situation in the workplace, if you work, so if you haven't told your boss, you don't have to literally splatter it all around the office. I'm just, I'm taking an office setting, you know, but it could be any work. But if you haven't told your boss or at least, you know, a couple of your colleagues that you get on with really well, then you're not going to receive that vital support you need when you miscarriage, you know, like for getting time off and having to give a reason or or returning to work as well, you might find quite difficult. Yeah. I mean, I've used the example of a, of an office situation, but... Say, for example, if you're a midwife and you fall pregnant, you don't tell anyone. Number one, you know, sometimes there may become situations where you think, oh, I don't want to do that. It's it's not, you know, I don't want to go into the x-ray room, for instance, (laughs) because I'm pregnant. So then then you've got all the anxiety about, God, how do I get out of doing that because I don't want to tell them I'm pregnant. So there is that thing as well. But also if, I mean, I'm just using it as an example, if you're a midwife and you miss, you get pregnant, you don't tell anyone and then you miscarry and then you're, going back to work and all you're seeing is babies and births you know that and that's very hard whereas if your manager or your supervisor or whatever or at least one or two people know then you at least you can get that support and they can kind of try and steer you in a direction where you don't have to be around the babies all the time or with the pregnant women or whatever you know you could maybe do some paperwork or do something else or do some training or something like that or get some extra time off work because that's a very difficult situation to be in.
0: So you would say Um, that it's not so much... uh, You would obviously never tell a woman whether when is the right time to announce her pregnancy, but you think it could be beneficial if she was was maybe more open a little bit earlier, maybe?
1: Yes, definitely. And like I say, I would never advise them either way. It's their choice. But I just... My personal view is that, number one, why... I, I can understand it if there are a couple who um, were not expecting the pregnancy. Maybe it was a bit of an accident, they happen all the time, and they need time themselves to get their heads around it and to sort out what they're going to do and just basically get used to the idea that they're going to be parents. Because if somebody's trying for a baby, that's different. They've already got the head around that and they've made that conscious decision. But if it's an accident and you get it sprung on you, you know, you may as a couple or even as an individual, you may just need a little bit of time to think, oh my God, I'm pregnant, you know, (laughs) and how is this going to impact my life and how is this going to work and working out all the logistics around it and getting your own head comfortable with the situation, then I can understand from that point of view why you would keep it a secret. But I think if you're a mother who's been trying to get pregnant for a while, these are usually the people who know very early on that they're pregnant. Because when you're trying, you know, the, day one, you miss a period, you're, you're in there with a the pregnancy test. Whereas if you're not trying for a baby, it might be a couple of weeks before you even realise and you think, oh, hang on, did I have a period? You know, <laughs> uh, did I get my period last month? You know, so there's, there's two very different kind of camps here, that situations that, that are very different. And it would, you know, come out with a different outcome. But I just don't think, I don't think they should celebrate in silence their pregnancy. And I don't, and at the same time, I don't think they should suffer in silence if they miscarry. I think sometimes by women keeping it secret that they're pregnant and then keeping it secret that they've miscarried, they're almost, that stigma that surrounds miscarriage, like women are almost creating it themselves by yes. not opening up and saying actually I've miscarried I need time off work. We always we always concentrate on the physical aspects of miscarriage. Well, we do as midwives, you know, it's like the bleeding, how how much are you bleeding, the cramps, do you, do you need anything for the pain, you know, and all this sort of thing, but we don't concentrate an awful lot on the emotional and mental side of it. And maybe that's because we're not really trained enough to you know we're not trained counsellors so maybe that's a lot of the reason why we're avoiding the subject as well again it's like I said it's the elephant in the room we don't mind asking them about all the physical symptoms but when it comes to asking about their emotional or their mental state we kind of like a lot of us are very much like oh god I don't know what to say you know I don't know I don't know how to help them.
0: That's that's very Interesting, and I never would have thought about it like that before. I mean, is there much support for women on the emotional, mental health side from any other areas through the NHS? I know, obviously, this is UK only, but yeah. is
1: there is there any other support that they can get? There is loads of excellent stuff on the internet. Okay. Um, there are plenty of professional associations who can help. There's Tommy's. Uh, the Miscarriage Association, Child Bereavement UK, these aren't all, I mean, apart from the Miscarriage Association, they're not all specifically dealing with miscarriage, but they do deal with miscarriage within their association, and, and also they deal a lot with grief and dealing with that in other ways, which can be relevant, which you can adapt to, to your situation. Sands is quite a good one as well. That's an Australian association, stillborn and newborn death, but they also will deal with miscarriage. So yeah, and there's also there's lots of Facebook groups, like social media support groups. There's just there is quite a lot out there on the internet for sure. Or or you can go to your GP and they can refer you to a a trained counsellor. So yeah, I think in the virtual world there's a lot of support. Yes, I think I think individually for each individual there is a lot of help from support groups and stuff. I think I think just. Where we lack a little bit is society as a whole. Yes. You know, in this whole stigma of not talking about it and also our work environments as well. They don't tend to help. But then again, like I was saying, if if women don't come forward and reveal these things, sometimes the workplace is kind of... I don't know the word for that, that they're kind of made to be the villains unnecessarily sometimes because sometimes they're innocent in it and that they don't even know because the the woman hasn't actually said. Of
0: course. And what I think is really interesting is from where we were just having the conversation a few minutes ago about if you're more open before the 12 weeks, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. All of the support you've just said that is out there for women, things like Facebook groups, stuff like that, that's all very much opening up sharing so that goes very hand in hand with what you've said in your previous answer so it really does go to show that the more open women feel they can be about what they're going through even when it's positive and like you said it's maybe changing the mindset around early pregnancy would be really helpful if unfortunately anything did happen at any point
1: yeah I heard I can't even remember where now um Charlotte so I can't help you on this one but I did hear once miscarriage described as like a strange what did they say strange secret birth or a secret strange birth i can't remember that is also a death and that really stuck with me because that's exactly what it is it it's a birth and a death at the same time that's why it's i think it's quite hard for women to deal with it you know cuz one minute they they're growing a life next minute it's completely ended you know it's it's um it's like a t- double edged sword really and I, th- I just think it's sad that women are advised not to share the excitement about their pregnancy. Like I said, there are some times where there are some circumstances where, you know, you can understand why they, why they don't share it. But I think, you know, this whole, oh, God, no, don't tell anybody before 12 weeks because it's bad luck. And, you know, from that kind of attitude, and some women are absolutely bursting to tell people because they're so excited. They yeah. already think of themselves as a mother, you know, with a little baby growing inside them. But the fact that they've never held their baby in their arms is some somehow it's supposed to make it less of a loss. But not at all. Not no
0: at all. I mean, I'll say I, I just I can't even comprehend when you were saying that about a a life and a death. I I, I can't process that now. And i no it's, it's
1: it's such a small sentence, but it, it really I just thought It's profound. Wow. Yeah. It is, that's the word. It's like oh my goodness, yeah, that's exactly right. Talking about being
0: mother's feeling lonely but obviously there will be a father involved or a partner uh-huh. how yeah. can this affect them because obviously they want to support the mother going
1: through yeah. what they're going through but they're going yeah. through their own emotions absolutely as well. yeah that's a really really good point and again that this is probably something that's even more ignored you know than the actual miscarriage and, and the grief of the mother and the loss of, for the mother is the loss for the partner <sighs> Obviously, it goes without saying, they they do feel a heartbreak of miscarriage as well. I think the reason people don't kind of acknowledge that is because they feel for the mother because the mother is carrying the baby. The mother has the baby inside them and is growing the baby. So that undeniable kind of connection, like a physical connection and kind of mental connection is there. And I think that's why mums kind of feel that way before the partners, you know, the partners very often you'll find their realization will come at that first scan because they see it—it's yes. physical. Then they can see it; they can, they can touch the screen. They can't touch the baby, but you know what I mean. And then, obviously, when the baby starts moving and, and the, the pregnancy grows, and you can you can visualize—you know—you can visually see that somebody's pregnant, rather than that you don't know. But we do need we need to break the silence again around men and miscarriage or partners and miscarriage just as much as we need to break the silence around women and miscarriage. Because a lot of men, I find they feel guilty. They feel guilty, not because of something they've done for the pregnancy, which is what the women feel, but the men feel guilty for showing their grief. It's almost like they feel they can't. Because they weren't the one that carries the baby, they can't feel grief. And so they they feel guilty for that. But I think it's important as well that just because the mother is not capable of... Well, it will probably not be capable, as in emotionally or mentally capable, of providing support for her partner. It's very important that you try and stop them going their separate ways and dealing with their grief separately. It might just help the mother. To see her partner grieving as well, do you know what I mean? Because she's got, she thinks, yes, he's going through it with me. Yes. Whereas if the partner kind of alienates himself because he doesn't feel he has the right to grieve as much as the mother, it's not a competition. You know, you ha- grief is very, um, it's very individual. There's no, again, no right or wrong with grief. How you how you deal with it. But I think by alienating each other, you are making it worse. And I think fathers, you know, if any. Fathers or partners are listening to this, you know, it's um, it's important to, you know, you're not burdening them if you go to them and cry or if you go to them and, you know, say how sad you are, how your feelings, you know, if you're feeling grief, if you're feeling sadness and shock and anger and jealousy, if you go past a park and you see fathers with their little kids, you know, you don't know. These are all things that can affect men or partners with with this. But they just need to come together even more, I think, at this difficult stage in their lives. However raw and difficult it may be, and how however they think it's not helping if they go, you know, oh, I'm sad, I'm jealous, I'm angry. You know, instead of the, the mother might not think, oh, God, this isn't about you. I was the one carrying the baby. They might think, yes, that's how I feel. I'm so glad we feel the same. And we're united in this grief, you know, and they can talk openly about their joint loss of dreams and hopes because they would have both had dreams and hopes for the future for their baby for what was going to happen you know they might have been talking about names they've both done that so they both need to to um join so rather than i think fathers neglecting their own grief in order to support the mother i think they should be advised to seek out other either other male friends is always a good option other male friends or family members who have gone through a similar experience. That's always a good one. You know, you'll find they often, you know, I don't know, go for a pint and talk about what they or again, they can go to all these different uh, online facilities as well. And a lot of them have got sections just for fathers or partners. So that's quite good as well. They can get help from there as well.
0: And in a sense, they don't in both the mother and the father, if they just open up, they don't actually have to do anything. But just by opening up could create yeah. that bubble of support for each other oh without God, yeah. actually having to do Anything per se, just literally being open about how they're really feeling will help the other feel so much,
1: not, yeah. not better, but there'll be a comfort in that, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Because I think what happens when, when the father doesn't show, because he's, like I say, he's kind of neglecting his grief. I'm saying him, but it could be her. But they're neglecting their grief because they think it's an, by them grieving or by them being upset, they're not being a support for the, for the mother, But you don't know. The mother in that turn could be thinking, God, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Look how cold he is. Or look how, you know, he hasn't mentioned the baby. He hasn't mentioned the miscarriage. He hasn't, or he's not acknowledging that he's sad or he's angry or he's depressed or whatever, or guilty. He's not mentioning it. It it hasn't really affected him. I'm all on my own in in this thing. That's what they could be feeling inside. Whereas if the man just said, you know, do you know what? this is awful isn't it you know we we had all these hopes and dreams for our baby and now it's gone and let's talk about that you know let's let's talk about how we're feeling and how we're both sad and how we're both guilty or how we're both angry and I think that can help for for definite yeah
0: how important would you say family is
1: for a couple going through miscarriage well depending on depending on your family (laughs) (laughs) no but I I honestly think it's super important okay like super 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 important if you have a good relationship with your family and you're a strong family and you're a close family I think that is beyond belief super important I can't I can't stress that enough because if you think about it you've you've lost your baby as a couple or as a single it doesn't matter but at the same time a grandparent has lost a grandchild understand an auntie or an uncle has lost a niece or nephew an older sibling maybe has lost a sister or a brother everybody again it's the same thing as like talking with the with the your partner if you see how the whole family is affected by it and they're all sad and they're all angry like for you almost for themselves as well because you know they might have been really excited about being a grandparent. I know I was. Um, you know, um, my stepdaughter, she's pregnant again. She's she's due in August, and I'm already very excited. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. But you know, I, I think if she if she had a miscarriage, I would be very very sad. I'd be sad, you know, that it happened, and I would want I would want them to know I was sad because otherwise, it's almost like nobody's acknowledging this pregnancy. And like I say, a lot of women, they they feel like a mum very early on um, because they're carrying this baby. They already class themselves as a mum and, you know, have those, the worry starts day one, you know, you're pregnant, you know, and my mum still worries about me and I'm 50. So um, (laughs) it goes on for a long time. But yeah, I think, I think if you have that family who are around you and they're saying yeah we're sad as well you know we're angry and we're this it's same same thing as with the partner it just kind of thinks yeah the, then the mother thinks I'm not alone in this and also the mother will know how well loved this baby was hadn't been born yet you know was only I don't know for however many weeks 11 weeks four weeks whatever it was you know but if you've shared that with your family and they were excited for you and you know they knew the the pregnancy was coming, going back to the, you know, disclosing the secret thing. Yeah. Then when when they lose the baby, they have that whole support that, and they feel comfort, like you were saying, in the fact that other people also are mourning the loss of this baby. They already feel that this baby was part of a family.
0: Yes. Where you were saying about it being kept a secret part of that grief maybe feeling that like you said that the woman already feels like a mother that was yeah. her child and if you don't announce it it's like the child never existed yes there is, if you yes. all talk about it between each other yeah. that child was real it, it, it yeah and even though no one maybe got to meet the child it's yeah it, it makes it it, ma- it makes it matter she knows her child was loved yeah. and and was important to people
1: yeah absolutely that's exactly it. And that's, I mean, I'm not saying go out and announce it to absolutely everyone. You don't have to ring your cousins and your second cousins and you this. But your close family, your immediate family, mm. you know, so the, the grandparents of the baby and the aunties and uncles of the baby, you know, that sort of thing. You can, or just choose, I don't know, just choose the grandparents to tell or, or whoever you're closest to. But you don't have to literally go around telling everyone. But, you know, I do think... um Unless, you know, obviously every circumstance is different, unless you don't want to announce it, or there's a reason you don't want to announce it, um, or, you know, you haven't quite got your own head round it yet and you're still trying to sort out in your own head how your feelings are about this, and that's different. But I just think it's, in, in the workplace especially, it, it's good to let at least somebody know, either a close work colleague you know, or your boss, just say, look, you know, because obviously you can just say, look, I don't want it bandied around, around the whole workplace, but just to let you know, because I think insurance wise and If you have a physical job or if you have, if there are certain dangers in the workplace, like there could be, or hazards, you know, there could be chemicals in there that you shouldn't be going near when you're pregnant. They might have, I don't know, a lot of, might be climbing a lot of step ladders. You know, there's all sorts of different things that you might be doing that you might think, well, no, I don't actually want to do that while I'm in early pregnancy or I shouldn't be doing that while I'm in early pregnancy. You really need to tell someone. And then afterwards, if, if you do miscarry as well, you want that support from your employer. Not emotional support, maybe, but just support where they say, look, take your time, take what you need. Give you the space that you need to to, Absolutely. To, heal, to
0: heal from what you've just been through. That's
1: exactly it. I mean, it's not that long ago, I think it was March this year in New Zealand, they brought in a bereavement leave for employees who have suffered mas- miscarriage or stillbirth.
0: Oh, really, that's and amazing.
1: Isn't it amazing? And it allows like three days leave for mothers and their partners. So that gives them a little bit of time just to come to terms with their loss without losing any sick leave entitlements or anything like that. So that's, I mean, that's a start. It's it's not everything, you know, hopefully the the rest of the world will catch on to that and it will become the norm. And three days, obviously, is not enough to get over a miscarriage, but it's a start. It's a start and it's knowing
0: that it's there again, it takes some of that pressure off of not having to put that face on immediately after you've just had what could have been a, a horrendous shock.
1: Absolutely, yeah. In this country, I think there is still a little bit of that stereotypical stiff upper lip, you know, British attitude, you know, um, just get on with it and stop making a fuss or, you know, all those sorts of things. And you very often, you hear, I mean, gosh, everybody means well, don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes you do still hear those awful things like, oh, you're young, you can try again, or... Oh, you already have three. So you, so, you, so, you know, you've already got three. You're lucky. Things like that, they're not helpful at all. No. <laughs> they're not productive. They don't, or they'll say, oh, it's not actually a baby that early on. When they have no idea that woman, from the minute she finds out she's pregnant, she might, she feels like a mother. Yes. If in the right circumstances, I'm kind of doing blanket statements here. But, you know, obviously, there are some people who don't feel like that. And that's a different story. But in the majority of cases, when it's a wanted pregnancy, and everything's fine, then, you know, they, they don't need to hear things like that. They need you to listen. Yeah, they need you to have compassion and empathy. Those are kind of big words as well. They need you to respect pregnancy you've got to respect cultural differences as well because that makes a big difference as well and individual opinions as well and individual reactions so don't be fooled by people who act like they don't care you know if you think people aren't grieving and you think oh she's hard-faced she had a miscarriage and she's not even showing you know don't be fooled by that because that's just sometimes how people deal with grief exactly and those are the ones you've literally got to give them space give them time to expose their grief because it will come eventually.
0: And I think it's very important to remember that especially if you have not been through this yourself, like you yeah. said, to give opinions and things like that, it's that yeah. it's counteractive. It doesn't help. It is.
1: And you can't judge as well. You can't judge people on how they react to their own miscarriages. No, not the at all. The same as you, I mean, my my stepfather died a few years ago and I've got two sisters. The way we all dealt with that grief was very, very different. And not one way was right and not the other way was wrong. It was just different personalities and how you deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And you can't judge from, you know, you can't judge people for that. It's just individual characters and where they are in the world and where their headspace is.
0: Of course. Moving on slightly to women, if they, when they fall pregnant again, if they decide to get pregnant again after a miscarriage, is there anything that, lingers isn't the right word, are they okay? Do they... Yeah, so you're kind of saying... After effects. Are there any after effects from the miscarriage? There's the lovely news that they've managed to fall pregnant again. Yeah. And everyone's really happy. But is there anything that they still need support with from the miscarriage before?
1: That, again, depends on individual characters. And that, again, is something that's stigmatised and silenced. When they get pregnant again, again, nobody will mention that miscarriage. And sometimes you can find some women feel guilty or worried about forgetting the last pregnancy. People don't want to say, oh, you know, you've already had a miscarriage. They just, again, in fact, it probably gets worse the second time round because they've already had a miscarriage. So people are even less likely to mention it. But the women themselves i would say there's a real mixture of like hope and fear right fear that it's going to happen again you'll find at the beginning until everything settles down it'll be like a roller coaster ride of emotions which to be honest in early pregnancy it is anyway because of all the hormones so you've got this roller coaster <laughs> uh, of emotions and 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 everything else anyway but i think after a if you've already had a miscarriage or if you're somebody that that suffers from recurrent miscarriages as well you know It's one minute optimistic, next minute overly anxious and wrapping yourselves up in cotton wool and, you know, too scared to do anything or everything you eat is overanalyzed because you're thinking maybe it was because I had a Mars bar, you know, they tell themselves anything really. Yeah. But again, on the flip side, sometimes being pregnant again can be comforting for them. They get that comfort. Yeah. So because it eases feelings of fear because they're pregnant. So it's it can be it can be either really the the miscarriage association I know on their website they have on their Facebook sorry, they have a pregnant after loss Facebook group and support group, so there are specific groups and and associations that will deal with that particular part of miscarriage specifically, so that's quite handy as well, so if you do get or when you get pregnant after a miscarriage you know, but you're feeling all these different kind of roller coaster of emotions, you, you, you could always join one of these Facebook groups as well. But that's the other thing, when when women do get pregnant after miscarriage, sometimes it's a relief, because sometimes they think they won't be able to get pregnant again. Yes. Um, they have that kind of fear as well. So yeah, it's, it's all sorts of things, really. It's very different for everyone.
0: I know that you've touched on a few outsources that people can go and get help and get support when they've gone through a miscarriage but here in the UK do you feel that we do enough to support women and couples who go through the heartbreak of a miscarriage?
1: I think individually we do and I think it depends where you live and what hospital you're with or whatever a lot of hospitals will have a bereavement midwife that can help you with this some don't so you know you you it, sometimes it depends you're lucky on what kind of catchment area you know like with every like a healthcare lottery i just think it's it's society as a whole that still silences still silences the topic right because it, it it just seems to be a very i mean i think when i first started coming across women who'd miscarried i was very much like i would be exactly that person i wouldn't want to mention it you know, I'd take their blood pressure, I'd check their bleeding, I'd feel their tummy, I'd, you know, make them a cup of tea even, but I wouldn't talk about it. Do you know what I mean? I just wouldn't say anything. It's fear say of saying the wrong
0: thing or something like that. Yeah,
1: I guess it could be, yeah. It could be fear of saying the wrong thing. But also it's like th- th- there is not a lot you can say, but that's what you learn eventually. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. You just have to say to them, what are you feeling? Yes. You know, how how are you what are you, what are you feeling? And you know, tell me what you're going through. Or and I don't mean you know physically. I mean, tell me what's going on in your head. And then sometimes you just have to sit there and listen to what they say, because sometimes as well, it can be it can be guilt because maybe they didn't want the pregnancy, or they were they were umming and ahhing. They might have been wanting to terminate the pregnancy but couldn't decide, and then they miscarry, and then those issues of grief as well are huge. Because then they feel that's why they miscarried. You it's know, It's so sad. And I do yeah. feel
0: from everything that you've said, it's just so important to be open because mm. there is no reason that a mother should feel guilty about why she has
1: miscarried. No, no, not at all. There's very, very few miscarriages that are induced by something the mother's done. A lot of the time it's genetic. A lot of the time there's something you often find sometimes, you know, if they do tests afterwards, which, you know, obviously has to be with the consent of the parents that there's some kind of chromosome or something missing. And it's almost like mother nature or your body's way of expelling it. Sometimes it could be something like, I don't want to get too technical, but rhesus, and I'm not, I don't want to worry all rhesus negative women either. But if you're rhesus negative, if your blood type is rhesus negative, for instance, and if you have bleeding in pregnancy, not a miscarriage, but just a little bit of bleeding or something maybe, you've been in a car accident because that's one thing that maybe might the trauma a big trauma can do that obviously but then that again is nobody's fault so if you do have bleeding or if you or when you miscarry if you're rhesus negative you have to have an injection that's called anti d because what happens just to try and, try and say it kind of in layman's terms, if you're rhesus negative and the baby you're carrying is rhesus positive and, and then the, your blood mixes because there's been bleeding, that's what happens. Obviously, when they're closed inside the uterus, it doesn't matter. But if if blood mixes between the mother and the baby, which is what happens when you bleed mm-hmm. you know, internally and then it comes out, then that the rhesus positive blood from the baby can get into can mix with the mother's blood and then the body will make antibodies because it's alien to them it's like this isn't this isn't right so they they build up antibodies to that which is absolutely fine and makes no difference at all in that pregnancy but when you have another pregnancy if then that next pregnancy is rhesus positive your body will start attacking it you right. know your these antibodies. So that can be a reason as well. I mean, it's it's extremely unlikely these days because as soon as they know you're your rhesus negative, you get these anti D injections, which stop the body building up the antibodies to it. You get them throughout pregnancy to stop that happening, you know, and obviously if, if you did bleed at all or if you had any bleeding, they would just um, give you the injection. And then after you've had the baby, they give you the injection as well if the baby is rhesus positive. Because obviously when when it's inside you, you don't know No. whether it's rhesus positive or it's not unless the mother and father are both recess negative and then it's highly unlikely that the baby's going to be recess positive. But yeah, so it's, it, it's something that doesn't happen very often at all. But it's say if you haven't been having very good antenatal care or if you haven't been having antenatal care at all and these things happen. So that they're very, very rare occasions when a miscarriage is caused by something out of the norm. Yes. But just like I was saying, just running for the bus or, you know, eating an egg or you hear all sorts of stories why you know, going flying, going on an aeroplane. or It was because I went on an aeroplane. You know, some people think it was because I horse ride. Now, I'm not saying get on a horse, you know, suddenly suddenly decide to start horse riding when you're seven weeks pregnant and you've never ridden a horse before in your life is not a good idea. But if you've been riding horses all your life, then you can carry on. Yes. <laughs> because, right. you know, you're that's what your body's used to and you're competent at it, etc. etc. And that's the same if you've been doing exercise classes you know I went to to boot camp in Bahrain and there was a pregnant lady literally till about the week before she had the baby she was doing boot camp obviously yeah obviously everything was adapted slightly for her you know by the trainer yeah um but she would do the running circuit with us you know she she wouldn't if we did if we had to do five laps she probably would only do one but she did it and sometimes she'd stop and walk. She'd just listen to her own body. But she did it because she'd always done boot camps. You know, you wouldn't start a boot camp. No. <laughs> when you're just seven weeks pregnant. It's very, very rarely the mother's fault. That it's something they've done. It's more than likely the body is doing something
0: which unfortunately we just which we have no control no
1: No. and that's the other unfortunate thing when you work with women who suffer miscarriages it's there's nothing you can do so when they ring and they say or, or they turn up and they say that they've got bleeding cramping and they say you know what's happening stop it you can't unfortunately there's absolutely nothing we can do it's it's your body has decided that and, it, you know, it, it, you're going to miscarry and there's not, if you're going to miscarry, you're going to miscarry. Right. And there's nothing we can do about it. Obviously, if you start contracting and you're 30 weeks pregnant, there are, top, you know, there's, there's medication we can give you to try and stop the contractions. But at seven weeks pregnant, no, there's nothing we can do.
0: I think it's, it's just um, so And important. that's hard
1: as well as a professional because they're coming to you for help and there's nothing you can do apart, apart from listen to them, support them, give them some painkillers you know, and, and just, I don't know, hold a hand. Some women bleed and have cramping and then it stops. And nothing, you know, they don't miscarry.
0: And I think that's, again, with, with something like miscarriages, there's unfortunately not, like you said, there's nothing that can be done. It's it's up yeah. to our bodies. Yeah. So whatever happens to be your situation, it's okay to talk about it. You just don't feel shame. Don't feel yeah. like, don't feel alone. Don't feel like you can't. And the more that you open up, the more, Not only will you normalise it for yourself, but when other people go through similar to you, you're
1: opening up the door for
0: them as well to feel that it's okay for them to talk about it.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing so much information. This has been hugely informative (laughs) for me and it will be so supportive to women out there and couples out there who are unfortunately going through this heartbreaking time. Um so Shelley where can people find you if they want to know more about baby beginnings or just get in contact with you
1: Well I've got a website which is www.babybeginnings and baby is dot so you can go along to my website and um, have a look there or you can email me which is shelley s h e l l e y at babybeginnings I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page both called Baby Beginnings so yeah you can find me oh and I've got link I'm on LinkedIn as well so yeah there's lots of different places you can find me and you know if anybody is worried about anything um, I'm always happy to answer questions or you know try not you don't don't feel like you have to kind of come along and buy a whole package it'd be nice if you did but you know if, if you have a query I'd never turn you away you know what I mean I have actually just started a new service called um hey Shelly which I kind of stole a little bit from Google I'll probably get sued but never mind <laughs> <What's> <laughs> that? Was, well you know like how you have Siri or you have Google and you'll go oh hey Siri what's you know wh- I've, I don't know what's the weather tomorrow or hey Siri how do I cook a." A fish pie or something like that so i just thought it would be great if, if some women don't want to buy the whole package you know of of antenatal care or or childbirth whatever but they just want indiv- you know every now and again they might have a worry or a concern and they might just want to say to someone you know hey how, what what about this now in this day and age especially at the moment women aren't seeing their midwives that much it's not always that easy to get hold of them either or their GP. So, yeah, that's a service. So, you just literally just ping me a, an email or a message or a WhatsApp and just say, hey, Shelly You could either just say, oh, hey, Shelley, I've uh, just been told my baby's in the breech position. You know, what's that going to mean for me? What's it going to mean for my birth? is there any way I can try and persuade the baby to turn around you know you can ask different questions like that so it's just almost like troubleshooting I think that's um, amazing
0: I think that's such, and it's such a useful thing for if there are women that are in that pre-12 week stage and don't feel they want to talk about it with anybody yet you're giving yeah. them that outlet I think that's really lovely yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much I will put all the Aww. information that you've just said there I'll also put it in the description below so that okay. anybody wanting to check you out but thank you for joining me
1: oh thank you Charlotte thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to chat.